It is so wonderful being with you again, my wonderful partners and family. Thank you. I really mean that. Thank you for being my wonderful partner. I really mean it with all of my heart. I pray the Lord will bless you and reward you, anoint you, and use you, and give you a great future in Jesus' name, and meet all your needs. I've been talking about the deity of the Lord, and then, of course, I began talking about the humanity yesterday. I want to continue showing you from the word that he is God and God in the flesh. And the reason I'm bringing that to you is because 2,000 years ago, the heresy that was then a very serious problem for the early church that John, the apostle, had to deal with is the question of, is Jesus God? And then others were saying, well, he did not come in the flesh. So that's why the Gospel of John was written to prove his deity. And the epistles of John were to prove his humanity. So it's really important, I think, to understand that uh, right now these same questions are coming back again. People are, again, the, the old Harris is back and people are talking about it. But we have to go to the Bible. The Bible is clear. Jesus is God. And remember what, what I shared with you. But you know what? Let's just pray first. Lord, thank you for your word. To you belongs the glory, the honor, and the praise. Wonderful Lord, God Almighty. We give you the praise. And God's people said amen and amen. And I've shared with you from the word. For God to be God, he must have five attributes and seven offices. And the Lord fits every one of them. And you can go back and watch those wonderful teachings. But for God to be God, he has what? He has to have all power, omnipotent. For God to be God, he must be omniscient, omnowing. For God to be God, he must be omnipresent. For God to be God, he must be eternal and unchangeable. Every one of those, the Lord fits right there. Because it says clearly he holds all things by the word of his, of his power. He's omnipotent. He is all-knowing. In him are hid the treasures, it says, of knowledge and wisdom in Colossians. He is also omnipresent because he said, I'm with you always. And he's, un, and, and he's eternal. He, he, he said, I am. He said, was. He said, I am. And he's unchangeable. The same yesterday, today, forever. So, And then we, we have seven offices of the Lord that are right there clearly shown to us in Scripture. For example, I've given all you know, I've given all that to you because today I want to continue on the on his humanity. But I gave you already that for God to be God, he must be what? Creator. These are his offices. And the Lord it says, by him all things were made. For God to be God, he must be preserver. He has to preserve us. It says he holds all things by the word of his power in Hebrews. For God to be God, he must forgive sins. And he did forgive the sins of the individuals that he spoke to, he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Remember in, in Mark and in Matthew when that crippled man was, was also healed. For God to be God, he must raise the dead. And, and the Lord did. And other things I, I showed you, so, so powerful. So, but I want to deal with today, I want to deal with his humanity. And so the Bible says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it says, and the Word was made what? Flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. You know, I need to come back and show you scriptures. Maybe I'll do that in a separate teaching from the Old Covenant. 
that Jesus is God Almighty and man. Like you, you think about Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful, Counselor, and Mighty God. So the child and the son is, is Mighty God. Here you see the man and, and God in one, in that one scripture of Isaiah 9, 6. Or in Micah um, 5, verse 2, where it shows him God and man. And thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, out of thee will arise the ruler, okay, from Bethlehem. And it says, who is everlasting, <laughs> who is from everlasting. So here, here, here is the God Almighty, who is that baby in Bethlehem, he's God Almighty. So one day I'm going to give you a lot more because I think it's, it's really time we know what the Bible really teaches about Jesus, who is he. But let's talk about, let's talk about his humanity because this is so important because back then there was that attack, you remember in, in 1 John and where John says, if anyone, if anyone says that Jesus did not come in the flesh, that's the spirit of Antichrist. So in Philippians 2, beginning at verse 6, who being in the form of God, though it not robbery to be equal with God, he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of what? A servant and was made in the likeness of men. So here, the son of almighty God became flesh, dwelt among us. He took upon him our likeness. And in 1 John, let's just go back to it even though I showed that to you yesterday. Uh, chapter 4, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1 to verse 3. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone in, into the world, out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Okay, so he became a man. He did not cease to be God. God in the flesh. The word was made flesh. Very God of very God. I love it. So now, the doctrine of the humanity of the Lord <clears throat> is just as important as the doctrine of his deity. We have to understand both, but Jesus was a man, and the Bible clearly teaches he experienced our humanity. And, and I love, you know, in Luke, for example, uh, 135, where Gabriel says to Mary, that Holy One in thee is the Son of God. But then in Luke 2, 7, he's also the Son of Mary. So Son of God, Luke 135, Son of Mary, Luke 2, 7, God in the flesh. Now, let's, let, let's talk about something really uh, quite powerful. Okay, so the Bible says something beautiful. The Lord had a human body. We know that because in Acts, and there's many scriptures I can give you, by the way. He rose from the dead physically. He said, for example, well, that's, Actually, let's, let's go to that one, too, because I think it's so beautiful. In Luke 24, verse 39 through 40, Behold my hands, he said, and my feet, 
when he rose from the dead, he said, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bone as ye see me have. And then he showed them his hands and his feet. He showed them the where he was crucified. In Acts chapter 7, in Acts chapter 7, and I love that scripture, Beginning at verse uh, <clears throat> 55, this is talking about Stephen. And he, being filled of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And then he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man, he called him the Son of Man, standing on the right hand of God Almighty in the flesh, standing at God's right, right hand. Now, people, you know, ask questions about when he returns. Will he return in a physical body? Absolutely, because the Bible tells us that. In Matthew, in Matthew 26 and verse, please write these scriptures down because I think they're important. You, you may have to give someone an answer when they ask you the same questions. And here in, in Matthew 26, 64, Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. So in the statement, we see the deity and humanity of the Lord again at the same time as he spoke to the Jews, to the Pharisees. And in Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21, it says he will transform our bodies to be like his own what? Body. For our conversation or citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. All right, now let's deal with, with, with some other things. Uh, <clears throat> when the Lord became flesh, he was subject to our physical limitations which are essential to his humanity, okay? So he was subject to our limitations. How could he be a real man without experiencing our limitations? And that's why people have had a problem with, well, how can he be God if, for example, he got tired? Well, because he was a man. In John 4, 6, for example, Let's go and look at it. In John 4, 4, 6, he got tired. Remember when he came to the well and he spoke to the woman at the well? It says, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. You know, I've said this before. I cannot identify with Adam because Adam 
is not the real man in my mind because he, he just, well, first, even though he was, he was a man, was he really someone you and I can, can identify with? No, because why? He had no mom, he had no dad. He was never born, he just showed up, all grown up, <laughs> right? He did not have a lineage or a history or a tribe he came from. So how can we identify with Adam who just shows up all full of knowledge and wisdom with no parents to rely on, with no history, with no lineage? You cannot identify with that. And it was after that Adam fell into sin that we see that, that those limitations uh, on him. And the Lord took upon him our likeness, it says in, in Philippians 2. Our likeness means just like us, where he got tired, where he was tempted in all points as we are. And that's what people have troubles with. But he had to become a full real man to be the perfect sacrifice on Calvary. When he was baptized in the Jordan River, what is baptism for? Baptism is for sinners, right? And Jesus being baptized, who is sinless, identifying with sinful men. That's why John the Baptist said, no, no, no. I won't baptize you. You baptize me. I'm the sinner, not you, he said. Basically, what, what he was saying to the Lord by saying, no, no, no. I, I will baptize you know, you baptize me, I'm not going to baptize you. And, and Jesus said, said, we have to fulfill all righteousness, meaning that Jesus is, has come now to, to identify with us. And that to me is the love of God in such an incredible way, people. Incredible way, precious brother and sister. That Jesus would humble himself, like Philippians 2 says, to become like you and me. He did not take the form of angels, it says in Hebrews. He took our form, our likeness, from the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He came through the tribe of Judah from David, King David. And the thing is, he humbled himself even to die on the cross, the death of the cross, meaning he took upon him our sins. There was no beauty in him that, that they should desire because he took upon him our sins. God became a man, fully man, fully God, all at the same time. And this is a wonderful thing that we're, we're going to look at. It says he was weary. But we know from Isaiah 40, verse 28, it says that the Lord, well, let me just read it to you, because this is important to, to see him as God and him as man. So I just showed you him as man in, in John 4, 6. Now let's see the Lord as God Almighty. Isaiah 40 and verse 28. It says what? Has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, now that is weary. In John 4, 6, the Lord was weary. Why? Fully man. In Isaiah 40, 28, he, 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 he never wearies. That's God Almighty. Another one that I think is precious is that the Lord slept on the boat. Remember, in Matthew 8, 24, when the storm came, he was what? He was asleep. In Matthew 8, 24, we see this beautiful scripture of his limitations. 
and behold, there uh, arose a great tempest in the sea, so much that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Now we know from the Psalms that God neither slumbers nor sleeps, right? So as God, he did not need to sleep. But as man, he did. So Psalm 121, verse 4 and 5. Because look, look, if Jesus did not have those limitations, you and I could, could not identify with him to be our Savior. See? So uh, Psalm 121, verse 4 and 5. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Yet in Matthew 8, 24, he slept. That's fully man. Uh, how about the Lord hungering? You know, he, he was hungry. It says in Matthew, let's go to Matthew. And these are limitations that he had to experience to be fully man so we can identify with him. Matthew 21 and verse 18, and verse 18, it says, now in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered. And he also was thirsty in, uh, in John 19. He experienced thirst, not just hunger. Okay, let's go to John 19, and let's look at verse 28. These are all precious scriptures that show you and I he was fully man. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Wow. And he suffered physical agony. As a man, he suffered physical agony. You know, years ago, I preached a sermon, and maybe I need to preach it again, on the great I am. And uh, showing from Scripture that Jesus is God Almighty as the I am. Let, let me, by, by the way, read to you Luke 22. And I'm going to read uh, a precious scripture in verse 4. <clears throat> Here's what it says. Thank you, Lord. Luke... <clears throat> Oh, so, so sorry, Luke, four, uh, verse two, Luke 22, verse 44. I said verse 4, I'm sorry. All right, in verse 44, and being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat was, as, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. As, as a man, he, he experienced agony, and as a man, he also died. In 1 Corinthians 15, and let's read verse 3. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. As a man, he was subject to our limitations, our weariness, our hunger, our thirst, our pain, our death. And he experienced all that for us. And he took our place on the cross where he took our sins. And more of, of, of the limitations we see is, as a man, he was subject to intellectual limitations also. God Almighty 
experienced limitations because it says in Luke 2.52 that he had even intellectual limitations because it says this, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He increased in wisdom, meaning he was limited when he was born. And he increased in wisdom. He had to learn. He had to study. He had to experience growth mentally, not only physically. You and I can identify with that. When Adam was created, he had no intellectual limitations. He was fully wise, fully uh, grown with, with amazing knowledge, amazing imagination to give animals all their names. Think about that. But you and I cannot identify with Adam, only Jesus, because he became totally human. And in Mark, for example, let's look at Mark. And these are very powerful scriptures. Mark 13 and verse 32, the Lord said this, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. And this is where people said, well, how can he be God if he didn't know? Well, let me just you know, answer that. As God, he did know. As man, he did not know. As God, he was fully, he, he was omniscient. I showed you in the, in the last teaching that Jesus, in, it says, in him dwells all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom. So as God, he knew when, the, when he would return. But now he was limited as a man. As a man, I'll never uh, forget talking about this with Jim Pointer, the man that God used to touch my, my life. And we were talking about that, how the Lord experienced that. That's why he said that no one knows the day or the hour, not even the sun. All right, let's go to Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, I, I, really, am, uh, I, I really hope you're enjoying this. Hebrews 4.15 says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So here again, you and I could not identify with our Savior if he was not like us exactly to be tempted in all points, in all points. Now some would say, well, those temptations were not real. No, 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 they were real because he was fully man, fully man. And some have said, well, Jesus could not have sinned. That's not true either. That's not true. If Jesus could not have sinned, those temptations would have meant nothing. He remained holy and sinless. But he was fully man, fully God at the same time. And yes, he could have sinned as a man. Because it says he was tempted in all points. Just read that to you. In all points. Because it says we, ha we, we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. In all points tempted like we, yet without sin. What a glorious victory he gave to us. For he said, which of you convinced me of sin? So on the cross he took our sin, the perfect sinless son of God. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Think also about one more thing. <clears throat> In John 14, verse 12. Wow. And you know, by, by the way, 
he was heard because he prayed. Remember when he raised Lazarus from the dead? It says he prayed. So before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he prayed. So Lazarus rose from the dead because the Lord prayed as a man. As a man. Praise Lord. I don't want to say any anymore because I, I don't want to kind of mess with somebody's head here because there's something to this that is so powerful in the Bible. And then he said, you will do greater things in John 14, 12. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was so dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit that he would say, you will do greater things. There's one thing Jesus could not do. He who raised the dead and cleansed lepers, he who calmed the storm, there's one thing he could not do. He could not stand and say, look at me and see what my blood has done for me. Because the blood was shed for you and I, not for him. Jesus could not stand up and say, look at me, a sinner, saved by grace. Or he could not say, I was lost and now I'm found. He could not have said, I was blind and now I see, because he came to die for us. Because he was sinless, the holy lamb of God. And that's what I think it means by greater works than these shall you do. Because you have to ask, what is greater than what he did? What is greater than raising the dead and calming the storm and healing the sick and all that he did? There's only one thing greater salvation, that we would be witnesses to his salvation, to say to the world, look at me a sinner. Look at me, I was once blind and now I see. I was lost and now I'm found. That's one thing Jesus could not have said. Hallelujah, that he gave us the privilege to be his witnesses to the world. Lord, we give you the praise for that. To you be all the glory, all the honor, all the majesty. Wonderful Jesus, we give you all the praise. And God's people said, Amen and Amen. And Lord, bless your people, I pray now, with your knowledge and your revelation and your word. Establish them in your word and establish your word in them. Meet every need, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell you, I really feel the anointing just talking about this precious truth. It's time to give. I'm going to ask you to sow seed on the Lord's work. No, I do not apologize because it's for the Lord's work. It's for the Lord's work. So we can take the message of love and salvation to, to the world and how the world needs his love today and how the world needs to hear the gospel today. Help me do it, please. Help me tell them. Help me tell them. I'm on my way, by the way, the next few days to Italy to preach the gospel in Rome. And then I go to Portugal. I'm in Lisbon. And then, of course, I go to Africa in December. And then I go back to Africa in Kenya in January. And then we go to Brazil. So it's getting really busy now again. So help me go around the world. And I'm going to keep coming daily to you. So, so think about that. I'm traveling the world again. But I'm also going to be with you daily. And I need your support not just your prayers, but your support. Help me take the gospel to the ends of the earth. 
we're going to have a massive crusade in Nairobi, Kenya. They tell me that there are a million people in the crusade. You know, I really thought, you know, at my age, okay, I paid my dues, you know, I've done crusades around the world. And now the Lord is saying, no, I want you to go, to, to, to go back right now. I'm going to give you just another uh, season in your life. I don't think this season will last long because of my, of my age, but I'm still strong and I'm still going. So let's do it together. Let's get the gospel out together. And when you give, God will reward you financially. When you give to reach the lost, God will reward you financially. When you give to bring healing to the sick, God will reward you financially. When you give to bring deliverance to the oppressed, God will bless you financially. Because he said so. He said, if we sow, we reap. If we give, we receive. And we receive much more than we give because we give it with our hand, you know, but we receive it with our bosom. He said, man will, will give it to your bosom in Luke 6, 38. So you give your seed with your hand. God takes that seed and multiplies it and gives it back to you, multiplied many times over. I want you to believe this because this is his precious word. This is his blessed, blessed promise to you and I that when we give to him, to him, because a lot of people give to organizations and other things. No, we give to the Lord. We say, Lord, here's my seed. I give it to you, Lord. I give it to you. And then trust him and rejoice. Amen. Okay, you can sew on the platform you're watching me on right now. You can go to our website, benin.org, or simply text BHM45777. Tomorrow, a very interesting program. I don't want you to miss it. But uh, just make sure to join me tomorrow. Much love to you. And again, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I pray the Lord will meet your needs all the time. Much love. Bye-bye. Benny Hen Ministries has stayed on the cutting edge for the past five decades. The Lord made it clear that keeping and storing all archives and resources should be a top priority. Thus far, we've rescued and digitized 10,500 of the 13,437 tapes from the past half century. Pastor Benny's legacy, life's work, calling, and anointing will be preserved for generations yet to come. Nearly 50 years ago, this great adventure known as Benny Han Ministries began with one voice. Today, that one voice continues to be amplified over and over through every possible means. What happens next will be the greatest blessing of all. Isn't it wonderful what the Lord has done? And to Jesus be all the glory. I wanted to show you this beautiful report about the digitizing of thousands and thousands of hours already of the great meetings from the past because we want to keep them for our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. So we need your help still. So thank you, thank you. I just wanted to show you that your money is doing the job. What you gave in the past is really making it happen. But let's keep doing it for the Lord, please. This is for His glory, because now it can go to every nation on earth, in every language on earth, because of your help. All right, you can give right now on the platform you're watching me on, you can go to our website, benihim.org, or you can simply text BHM45777. So thank you for loving, thank you for giving, 
and let's keep glorifying our wonderful Savior. Much love to you. Thanks again.